I got my power pole down Stuck in the mud in the bottom of the lake Sitting so still in the wind and the waves Could even be a hurricane I got my power pole down I'm gonna make another dead on pinpoint gas Catch myself a big old bass And another one after that Oh yeah, I got my power pole Hey gang, Mark Zona with you here and welcome to the Power Pole Podcast where we power pole down once a month to talk about news, events, share stories, and answer questions about Power Pole Total Boat Control. Not only that, we're going to sit down with some of the best in the fishing world, fishing guides, professional fishermen, experts to learn firsthand how they use Power Pole anchors, accessories, and technology in different scenarios in all types of fishing. On this episode of the Power Pull Down podcast, I'd like to welcome South Florida fishing guide, I should say world-renowned South Florida fishing guide, and host of the Waterman TV, Captain Benny Blanco. Benny, so glad you could join us today. Thanks so much for having me, Todd. I, I would beg to differ on the world-renowned and the famous, uh, but, but uh, I'll just go with the flow. <laughs> oh, no, that's... That's awesome, Benny. I know that uh, you're a busy guy and, and getting you scheduled, getting our schedules put together here is, has been a challenge, but so glad that you could join us today. And, you know, we've, uh, we've had a little history together over the years, and I think it started, boy, with our early days, I, w- I want to say 2005, 2006, when we were, were both, uh, you know, guiding full-time and, and on the Maverick team. And then, you know, then our days, uh, or my days at Hell's Bay Boat Works, and, and you're still with Hell's Bay. I am. Yeah, I think it even started earlier than 2005, buddy. I think we first spoke like 01, 02, not to date us at all, uh, but uh, <laughs> but definitely was early on in the, in the career, that's for sure. So how, how did you get started in the fishing business? Or maybe take a step back and just maybe tell us how you got interested in, in fishing and, and developed that passion for being in the outdoors. Sure. I mean, I'm sure my story doesn't differ from most of the guys you talk to who are guides in, in the state right now. You know, I've, I fell in love with fishing at a very early age and I grew up in South Florida. I mean, anyone who grows up in South Florida and remotely likes fishing is absolutely attracted to the lakes and the ponds and the creeks that are all over the place that are full of bass and peacock bass and snook and tarpon. And, I mean, just completely spoiled. I mean, I tell the story all the time. When I was a kid, I used to walk wade off of Matheson Hammock Marina, which is in Biscay National Park, and it was a pretty regular occurrence that I'd catch bonefish and permit and tarpon on just a bear chick. Wow. And um, that happened regularly. So if you grow up with that kind of exposure, it's hard not to fall into the industry. Um, but I, I fell in love with it, and, and I, you know, at the more I did it, the more I wanted to do it. And I, my uncle mistakenly took me to Everglades National Park and that history is written on that day. I mean, I fell in love and that was it. That's where I wanted to be all the time. So um, I started my career basically just taking friends out in, in school and, um, and wearing through friends who just couldn't hang because I was a maniac. And, um, <laughs> and then eventually their dads and, and their uncles and and their family members wanted to go and I was guiding even though I wasn't guiding and that's that's pretty much how I think everyone kind of starts in the guiding community you know you start taking people and realizing that this is something you love to do and um and I absolutely love to guide I'm you know I, I am 
100% content with my clients catching the fish and living that moment through them uh, as it is, as I am probably more so than if I caught the fish myself. And right. uh, I think that's, I think that's a testament to being a good guide. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I mean, that really was, was my driving force too. And, you know, just to be able to introduce people to the sport and, and see them enjoy their lives as it should be. I mean, people, as you know, are, are have stressful jobs and busy, busy, busy. And, to be able to deliver that to them is, is pretty amazing. That's for sure. I, I, I say it all the time, you know, I, I've, I caught my first snook when I was young. I caught my first redfish, my first tarpon, and, and it all becomes pretty status quo once you guide for a while. The only way you can relive a first snook, a first tarpon, a first bonefish is through your clients. And so uh, I, I want to say I catch my first bonefish, snook, tarpon, and you know whatever species you want to call on a regular basis because I do that with through these people who get to experience the glades for the first time or Biscay National Park for the first time. And absolutely, that's the draw for me. There's no doubt, just like you said. Yeah, and I think uh, also, didn't you fish on uh, some of the redfish tours and and uh, in the cup and stuff like that? I did. My, my first professional redfish tournament was in 2001 at a Gilbert's Resort in Key Largo. And that's actually where I first met John Oliverio from Powerpole. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was on like day three of the tournament, um, the championship day. And I, we, you know, we were in the parking lot. We're kind of getting ready for the award ceremony. And, and he's, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of guys around his truck and he's pipping out this, not pipping out, but talking about this, 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 this pole that he has that you're supposed to bolt to the back of your boat and, and it's supposed to be an anchor. And I thought, what a crazy, unnecessary idea. And how, how, you know, why would I bolt something to my boat? And why would I add weight to the back of the boat? And I don't need, to, I don't need something to anchor my boat. I stake out my push pole. And right. um, I got to know John over the course of that season and um, saw some of the poles going on the boats. And I put it on my boat. And, man, it, from that moment forward, uh, you know, every single skiff I've ever owned has had a power pole. Um, it's just, it was one of those things where you didn't know what you were missing until you had it. But then once you had it, you'd fight to keep it. And, um, and I mean, and of course, John is like the best man, human being on the planet, customer service wise. And, um, power pole just, I mean, just set the bar for the entire industry. Yeah. It, I mean, I think it comes up on every, on every podcast that, that you know, it really did change the way we fish, no doubt, no doubt. There's, I mean, there's no doubt. I can tell you at least a dozen professional tournament events where lots of money was involved. You know, we, we were either pulling up or going down a creek or going across a flat and we hook a fish, the power pole goes down. We're able to quietly land that fish, measure it, take, do whatever we had to do, put it in the live well. And then the second you get back up on the platform, there's fish right in front of the boat because we were able to stop quietly and quickly and and we caught our second fish i mean i can't tell you how many times i think one tournament um maybe the championship in, in panama city early in 2000s like 0304 um we made it into the final day because of a fish we caught like two minutes before the buzzer after we caught our first fish of that day so we caught our first our first two fish in the last like 10 minutes of the day and the reason we got the second one was because the power pole stopped the boat and we didn't run the fish over wow Oh, that's a big deal. If that was a big deal, obviously, if you fish the tournaments, you know it's that's a big deal. That for us, that was a game changer. And again, like I said, 
didn't take much after that for me to put a power pole on every skiff that I've owned. I think let's, let's talk a little bit about where you fish now and kind of what, what would you consider your, your home waters, Benny? I decided early on that I wanted to specialize in Flamingo, Florida Bay and Whitewater Bay. And that's what I did for many years. Um, we had some water issues in 2015. We've had water issues over the years. And in 2015, we had some major water issues that affected Florida Bay drastically. And I shifted gears back into Biscayne Bay. Um, so I fish probably 50-50 now um, between okay. Biscayne National Park down to Isla Mirada and then into Everglades National Park. So I have that, that triangle of just epic fishing. Um, honestly, probably the two, two of the better fisheries on, on the planet. Um, and the only place where I know you can target the big five, which is permanent bonefish, tarpon, snook, and redfish on any given day. That's, that's pretty special. It, it certainly is. I mean, to be able to do that in one day and I mean, looking at your, your Facebook and your Instagram and your, your social media channels, it, it, it looks like it happens on a regular basis. We are again, very blessed to have all that at our disposal. And I really determine it's determined by the angler, you know, by the client for that day. Um, right. but when I, when I have a good client who can, who can see fish, we've got good weather and, and things are happening. And there's no, there's, I mean, there's no, nothing that I want more than to put those five species in the boat. And, um, and it's just awesome to have that at your disposal on a daily basis. It really is. In regards to, you know, the fisheries, you, you touched on that and water quality issues. What, um, yeah. So when you first started guiding kind of let's walk through history in, in regards to that and from, sure. from then sure. to today and, and what have you experienced? Sure. Well, I, you know, um, I kind of came in at pretty dang good time and I, I started guiding in Everglades National Park in the late nineties. I think it was nineteen ninety eight when I first got my permit. And um I didn't I mean obviously I didn't know much. I was a rookie guide. I fished a lot in the backcountry and I uh, as history would have it, um I came into Flamingo and to Florida Bay at the time when we were just recovering from uh, a major water issue in the late eighties. And um we had just gotten our all most of our grass back and fish were all over the flats and in the early 2000s I spent a lot of time in Florida Bay and just fell completely in love I mean it was um there there was not a, a section of, of area on in the entire entirety of Florida Bay which is 550 square miles of flats mm-hmm. there was not a, a section of area that wasn't covered in green turtle grass right. and um and what does that mean that means that there's plentiful um, forage area there's plentiful food and the fish just were exploding. I mean, it, there were snook and redfish anywhere you went. You could anyone who owned a skiff at that time and could pull their boat was on fish all day long. And um, that's a special scenario for any place. Um, but to have it inside everybody's national park that's protected by a national park, I thought, you know, from a business perspective, I was in a great place. Um, you know, over the course of my career, I, I saw general degradation. You know, you know, mangroves dying and in some areas that were struggling with grass and um, ups and downs with the fisheries, but nothing really as as evident and as it was as what happened in 2015 when we had um, that major drought summer, and well, because of the drought, Florida Bay became super hypersaline, really really salty. In other words, um, we don't get the, the traditional freshwater flow from Lake Okeechobee anymore because of all the development and 
and the agriculture usage of the water around Lake Okeechobee, and, and that starts out Florida Bay. And when we have a drought scenario, it creates all kinds of problems. And um, when Florida Bay gets too salty, um, you know, it, it, it generates these algal blooms that just destroy the flats. And in 2015, we lost 50,000 acres of the, that beautiful green uh, turtle grass. And that was, that was a life-changing moment for me. Um, I became super involved in all the water issues. Um, uh, I started going to every district meeting, every meeting in Tallahassee, every meeting in D.C. I met Daniel Andrews and Chris Whitman, the founders of Captain's Clean Water, and our messaging was, ex- was very much in line. Um, in trying to restore that water flow down in the Florida Bay and raise awareness for it. And, um, right. you know, I, I just found out you know, just by going to those meetings that by being there, we were making a difference. I mean, even if we didn't speak, just by being there, it was a big deal for a congressman or a senator to be in a subcommittee hearing meeting that was usually full of, full of politicians and lobbyists to have a fishing guy from South Florida standing there pissed off. That was a big deal. That was a big deal. So, and then when we became educated on the issues and we were able to speak in, intelligently at, at those meetings, they began to listen. And um, over the course of the last five years, four and a half years, we have affected some serious positive change. Um, in 2018, when most people know that the water issues in the state of Florida were number one, were the number one issue in the gubernatorial election. Man, and that's, that's amazing. That's a big deal. That's the first time in Florida history that it's be, it was the number one issue. And because of that, we're seeing policy change this year. And um, it was because we got involved. You know, and, and, uh, and I, you know, I hear it all the time people say, well, what, my voice, what difference my voice make? You know, I'm just one person. And, and I, I say rubbish. You know, we, every one of us that gets up and speaks makes a difference. And um, in 2018, and, this, and the issues and the, and the changes in the policy that we're seeing today are a direct result of all of us standing up and speaking up. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it was really amazing to see, uh, you know, the, the industry, the fishing industry, and, and in particular, the, you know, the, the South Florida guides and, and guides around the country, really, that came out and, and do support Captains for Clean Water. And, well, I tell you, you know, all of us, all of us here at, uh, at PowerPole really, really appreciate that. There's, there's no doubt. And I mean, uh, what's, what's, like you said, it was amazing that to see just the outdoorsmen in the entire country come together. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's two parts to that. One is, you know, their fellow outdoorsmen were calling for help. That's one part. The other part is that I think as outdoorsmen, you know, we have a direct link with the environment. And we all see the degradation on a daily basis. We see, you know, what uh, development does to it. We see what, um, yeah, you know, infrastructure from uh, big uh, industry does to the environment. And, and, and there's not much we can do about it individually. But when we come together, when we come together, we have a huge voice. You know, in, Flor- in Florida, the number one industry is tourism. And so... Um, there really couldn't be a better scenario for an industry to speak up about what the water issues are and make change. That's that's here in the state of Florida. And um, yeah, PowerPole has been the leader, I mean, I guess setting the example in the marine industry in the state of Florida from the beginning. You know, um, uh, I think John recognized early on that we needed to be more green, that we needed to be more conscious of our environmental footprint. And uh, they decided they were doing that 
before anyone was in the industry. Right. And, and that's, that's what we have to, we have to force that kind of change on, on the people we represent. I've been very fortunate and proud to represent Powerful from the day I met John in 2001. Um, and, uh, and for a lot of reasons, and I mentioned a lot of them, but, but the main reason for me, the most important reason for me is that, is that Powerful supporter supports our fight for water and they've, they've understood our environmental impact from day one. And they've not just talked about it, they put their money where their mouth is and they're making changes. And that's a big deal for me. Well, why don't you talk about the, uh, the Waterman TV show? Um, it was sure. your first season and, you know, PowerPole was a, was a big sponsor as well. And maybe mm-hmm. kind of, I think, you know, that process you went through inspired you to, to get, get started on that show. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, you know, um, I went from being just a fishing guy in Florida Bay who didn't think my voice mattered um, to going to these meetings and understanding that no one was going to fight for our water at all unless we spoke up. And um, to, to understanding that if I had, if I was going to have any kind of, we we're going to see any kind of change that it wasn't going to just take me and Chris and Daniel, that it was going to take the entire industry to get involved. Uh, so that we, so, to the point where we started looking for every single outlet to get people involved, to educate, to get people involved. And, um, I think it was 2018, early on, we had Everglades Day uh, sponsored by the Everglades Foundation in Washington, D.C. We just spent three days up there talking to congressmen and senators, um, advocating for Everglades restoration and water issues in the state and for the, 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 fund, the federal funding side of all, all of our restoration efforts. And um, we were, you know, one of those afternoons, we were just you know, laughing about maybe the idea of having a TV show where we could educate the general public and that would be our best option. And it wasn't even a month later that I got a call from Blair Wicks from Florida Sportsman who had a show available. Um, he wanted to do a fishing show. Uh, I, I don't remember if he wanted to do a conservation-based show or not, but my, the only thing I could think of was that we, it was an opportunity for us to talk about water right. and, to, and to perpetuate that cultural change from, from being the, the Instagram heroes to being guys who understood our footprint and perpetuated stewardship for our water, you know, and, and that, that message that, that no one's going to fight for water like we are. Um, and, uh, and so I was very stubborn about it and forceful about it. And, um, I, I made it happen. I mean, we, we, we created this show called Florida Sports and Waterman. And, uh, I leaned on every single big voice in the industry, starting with the biggest voice in Flip Palette. And, um, and Flip's message was really clear from the first second the show aired, which is that the generations before us really did do a good job of, of protecting Florida's um, natural places and natural resources. And that what we have to do now, what we must do now is educate the current generations and the future generations so that they have the tools to, to save it. Um, and that's what we've done with the show. We went, we did 12 episodes all around the state of Florida. We, we went to every major fishery, uh, met, met with and, and exposed every major issue and, um, had huge voices on the show. C.A. Richardson, Rob Fordyce, Chris Whitman, um, Brett Martina, Scott Owens, you name it. We, we had them. And, um, and that for the purpose of, of, you know, showing that our culture is cool, that, that it is, it is a good thing. It's, it's the right thing to be a steward of your water, right. um, to speak up about it and to, and to, and to teach the next generation how to protect it. And, um, 
and, and we went from literally being an iCast in 2018 where people were telling us we couldn't talk about water and have a successful fishing show to now today having one of the better shows on, on, on TV right now. And, um, where we were talking exactly about that. And, um, and it's, you know, and, and the other, the other, you know, telltale sign that it was a success is if you watch almost any show now on TV, at some point or another during every show, the host is talking about how we have to protect our water. And, uh, and that's, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah, it sure is. And, and, you know, the response was, was amazing to see, you know, from the first episode on, I think if you look at your social channels and, and just, I'm sure you got lots of, of emails and direct messages about, you know, conservation and how it's, you know, they're noticing it. Hey, that's, you know, that's in my waterway too, not just in the state of Florida, but across the country. Yeah, the, the messages are are extremely inspirational for me, especially. We, we poured our hearts and souls into this show. You know, we it wasn't a financial decision because if it was about finances, we wouldn't have done it. Uh, we lost a ton of money and a ton of time, and we spent every second. If you followed my Instagram story throughout the year, we were team no sleep because we literally didn't sleep for like eight months <laughs> trying to get the show and meet the deadlines. And it was just, it was seemed like it was impossible. You know, the, the hurdles were insane and, and our deadlines were crazy. And I think if it were for just a regular fishing show, we wouldn't have done it. We would just quit. Right. It was just not worth it. But we felt like we were doing something bigger than that. And then whenever we felt, you know, pretty defeated and, you know, we're, you know, 50 days in a row or something like that. And we just, I had a charter the next day and no sleep and not sure if we were going to make the deadline. I would get a message from, from, you know, a little kid in Tampa who just saw his show with BNCA and how he's going to, you know, get involved now and teach his kid, his, his classmates in school and, and how, you know, that's how he wants to, you know, that's how his, he wants his life to be and, and protect that water so he can fish until he's old. And for me, that was, that's everything. And I get those messages every single day. I mean, all day long. It's, it's just awesome because I, I feel like we did something positive. I feel like that we're going to see some bigger changes coming up because we, you know, we didn't just continue our business and, and try to make another charter tomorrow that we decided to stand up and talk about it and educate. I think that's the right path. What about season two? Is there a season two? So there is not a season two for me for Florida Sports and Waterman. Okay. Um, we, we are starting a new show. Um, and, uh, and I'm just moving forward. We, we, we wanted to have more flexibility to deliver the message a little bit better. And we also want to have a streaming component. So uh, the new show is, is going to be the very same format, which are going to be talking about water, leaning on the biggest voices, uh, starting with my buddy Flip Hallett, who we're trying to negotiate now when we're going to actually shoot the first show. But this, the first season we shot with Flip in Mesquite Lagoon. And we told the story of Mosquito Lagoon. We told the story of why Flip had moved from the Everglades to Mosquito Lagoon and, you know, what he seen while he was there. But now I want to shoot a show with him in the Everglades. Right. I want to shoot a show with he and Chico. We want to go back to when they were kids, you know, throwing plugs in the back and, and start at the beginning and tell the whole story. And, um, and uh, you know, um, we're going we're gonna to have – we're partnering with Wavelink TV so that we have the ability to reach more households uh, quicker and the ability to stream on your phone and on your TVs. And, uh, because if, if the, if the, the real mission is to spread the message, then, then we need, we need to be streaming. Right. And, uh, and that's what we're doing. So, uh, I'll have an announcement really soon as to the name of the new show and, 
and all the sponsors, but PowerPole didn't even blink twice. They, you know, they want to be involved as I never, never, you know, never questioned they would be. Um, uh, they, they, you know, again, they're, they're a conservation partner through and through, and uh, they understand the importance of, of perpetuating that cultural change that we, you know, we start protecting our fisheries. So um, I'll have a big announcement soon. Uh, all the players are going to stay the same. We're just changing you know, where, where we're going to be in the name of it. And uh, it's going to be bigger and better. I'm, I'm so excited to get started on it. Well, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And glad to hear that you're going to carry on that mission because it really, you know, it, it's so, so important. And, and a lot of us, uh, you know, just are passionate about it, but just don't take that extra step. And I know, you know, the, the entire team at PowerPole here um, appreciates all you've done and, and really bringing it to the forefront with captains and, and the whole crew. It's been it's been a, a great year for uh, you know for the outdoors and fishing in our waters for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt, and um, you know we we never imagined we'd get to where these you know these policy changes and these and this person who's now our governor making all these changes and fighting for our, our you know our waterways. Uh, we never imagined we'd have this much success this quickly, but uh, we're definitely going with it. And what we have to do now is turn up that that nozzle we have to you know continue pushing and keep that pressure up because a the people we've elected and and put in those situations to make those decisions to understand that we have their back continually and b um now while we have momentum is when we need to strike to continue to make those changes you know it's just um we can't become complacent um just because we're having a good summer right now we, we have to continue to push um, we've gone through these patterns before in the past, you know, where we've had some bad summers and then we've had some good summers and people forget. Right. Um, you know, there's no green algae in our waterway this second, you know, so people forget and then, you know, they're enjoying the water this summer, which is fantastic, but we've got to turn the nozzle up. We've got to continue pushing. And, um, we're extremely appreciative of the support of companies like PowerPole, um, who just understand the mission and understand that it's a, it's a, it's a marathon fight. It's not just a, a single summer battle. And, um, and you can count on us, there's no doubt, to continue pushing that message. And, 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 uh, and you'll see some really cool, big things coming from us this year, that's for sure. Well, that's great, Benny. And, and again, you know, thank you so much for your time today. And we'll for sure have you back here on the podcast and as things progress and, you know, you get started filming. So thanks again. We appreciate it. And um, we'll uh, hopefully see you on the water sometime soon. Yeah, thank you, Todd. Thanks for having me, and, and thanks to the Powerful Nation for, for continuing to push the message. I really, really appreciate that. You know, this platform to be able to talk about it. Awesome. Thanks, Benny. Take care. All right, All right buddy. You too. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments, just go to power-poll.com and click on the chat tab. Stay up to date on our upcoming PowerPoll podcasts and let us know that you tuned in by following and tagging us on Instagram at power.poll and by using the hashtag PowerPollDown. Thanks again and we'll power poll down with everyone again soon. I got my power poll down. Stuck in the mud in the bottom of the lake. Sitting so still in the wind and the waves. Could even be a hurricane.